We did not say anything about this, but Brianna, it's good to have you back home. And Brianna was uh, gone for a few weeks to Pensacola, went to a music camp there. And uh, thank you for that song this morning. When we are genuinely saved, the Spirit of God uh, cries within, Abba, Father. And uh, there's that personal relationship with God that uh, a saved person has in, their, in the depths of their heart. Revelation chapter 14, you find your place. Would you stand with me as we read a portion of the Word of God this morning? want to uh, pick up here in verse number 6. We're not going to read through the whole chapter. We'll read a few verses and skip uh, to the end of the chapter. Uh, Revelation chapter 14 and verse number 6. Now last week we, we examined from the Word of God the final call. Uh, there's one final call that's going to ring out uh, across this world, and that call to the Lord, that call uh, to salvation. Uh, the Lord is so uh, intent that he, he, se he seeks and saves that which is lost, and He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of God. And we pick up here in verse number 6, Revelation chapter 14, in verse number 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, uh, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, and kindred, and tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give, him, or give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come. And worship Him that made heaven and earth, and the sea, and the fountains of waters. Here's this call uh, that goes forth. I want to skip forward to verse number 14. And what we see here at the end of the chapter is the final harvest. The final harvest. In verse number 14, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another, another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. And what we have uh, described for us is the final harvest of this earth. And uh, we'll fill in the details here uh, this morning. If you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's ask His help and His guidance. And as always, we so need Him. We don't want to just play church and go through the motions. We need to hear from heaven this morning. And God's got a message for you. Father, we thank you this morning. Uh, already you've been good to us and our hearts uh, cry, Abba, Father. Thank you for the personal relationship that we can have with you. Thank you for the peace that you give to those that are truly born again. 
And I thank you, Lord, that it's not our religion or our church that can give that peace, but it's you and that personal relationship. And Lord, as we open the Word of God, we ask you today to be our helper, to be our teacher. Lord, to minister at the very point of need. And God, have your way, we pray, in this service. Exalt yourself, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And you may be seated here this morning and uh, just uh, take and review some of these things that we've read here. The Bible is describing uh, the final harvest. Now, I I love to garden, grew up on a farm and uh, love the harvest time. That's a special time. At the end of a growing season, uh, there's a final harvest. And usually at that final harvest, we'll get word that uh, soon a frost is going to come. And so go out into the garden and gather the last fruits and gather those fruits, bring them in uh, to the safety of the house. And, and then the chaff and the bad fruit is cast aside. And that's very similar to what is going to take place at the end of this age, uh, just before or with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation. Now these uh, verses picture for us the final harvest at the end of the tribulation. The tribulation is going to end in the battle of Armageddon. It's going to be the final world war. Uh, At this battle, all of the nations of the world are going to be gathered together against one another. And ultimately, they're going to turn against the Lord Jesus Christ. And a lot of those details of the battle of Armageddon are going to be filled in for us later as we get to Revelation chapter number 16. Now in this time of this battle at the end of the tribulation, uh, the world as we know it is going to be on the verge of total destruction. And it's going to be as all of these nations are gathered together almost at the point of annihilation that Jesus Christ is going to return from heaven. I want you to go forward with me to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 11 is describing this return of Jesus Christ. And it reads, I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and this is Jesus. He that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. And then I would like to skip to verse number 18. And it says that you may eat the flesh of kings. As Jesus returns, he says in verse 17, Come, gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast, this is Antichrist, and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive, into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Now this is describing that final harvest as Jesus Christ returns from heaven. I want you to keep your place in the book of Revelation, but I'd like you to go to one of the parables of Jesus Christ. Go with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Uh, In this section of scripture, Jesus taught by parables. 
And one of his parables describes this final harvest. In Matthew chapter 13, verse number 24. Matthew 13, verse 24. And it reads, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came, sowed tares among the wheat, and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came, said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this, and we know, of course, the enemy is Satan. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while I gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, if you would skip forward to verse 36. Here the Lord gives us the interpretation of this parable. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house of his disciples. And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Here Jesus is giving a parable concerning this final harvest. In the Old Testament, we're also told of this final harvest in Joel chapter 3. I want to read for you verses 11 through 14. And it reads, Assemble yourselves, come, all ye heathen, gather yourselves together round about thither. Cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be weakened. Come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. This is the valley of, of, of Megiddo, or where the battle of Armageddon will take place. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full. The fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Now God will use the tribulation to bring every individual to a decision. Now you're going to find throughout the Bible, there are only two kinds of people. There are the saved and there are the lost. There's no in between. Either an individual knows Christ or they do not know Christ. Either they have believed upon the Lord or they have not believed upon the Lord. Now we know as we face the time of tribulation, uh, now if you're saved, you're going to be raptured before that time. But during the time of the tribulation, uh, there will be multitudes that will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, those that come to know Jesus Christ are going to face severe persecution, but they're going to be greatly blessed of the Lord. I want you to go back to Revelation chapter 14. And in Revelation chapter 14, verse number 12, Revelation 14 and verse number 12, 
this speaks of those that are martyred for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ during the tribulation. And it reads, uh, chapter 14, verse 12, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, their works do follow them. And so the Lord will bless those that come to know Jesus as Savior. But multitudes will reject Christ. They will take the mark of the beast that we have preached about. They will worship Antichrist. They will be deceived. Uh, in doing so, uh, they will face the eternal judgment of God. Go back to verse number 9. And it reads in verse 9 of Revelation 14, the third angel followed them, saying, With a loud voice, if any man worship the beast, his image, receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb of the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they shall have no rest day nor night to worship the beast his image, whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. It's very clear in the Bible that there is an eternal decision. Every person will make an eternal decision. That eternal decision is going to be determined by what you do with Jesus Christ. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And we find that during the tribulation, there's going to be this clear-cut guideline. Uh, there will be those that receive Christ. They will be blessed. There will be those that reject Christ. Uh, they will face eternal judgment, eternal torment, and the eternal lake of fire. Now that's the final harvest. Uh, this morning... As we consider this final harvest, God has given to us a task. And our job is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth will be saved, given eternal life. He that believeth not, the Bible says in Mark 16, will be damned. There's no in-between. And this morning, I want to focus on this task. Every Christian, if you know the Lord as your Savior, your task is to prepare a world for this final harvest. This morning, Valley Bible Baptist Church, God has given to us a commission to take the gospel to every nation, to every people, to every tribe, to every tongue, to every language that every man, boy, and girl upon the face of this planet uh, might have an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and make an eternal decision. Now as I look at Revelation chapter 14, I want to break down into three thoughts as we consider the world. First of all, there's the call to reach the world. This is the heart of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The world has always been on the heart of God. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners, to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus went to the cross to pay the debt and the price for sinners. He went to the cross to redeem us by His blood. 
God has always had the world on his heart. When God called Abraham, God said, Abraham, I want you to go to a land that I will show thee. And then God said to Abraham, and thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a seed. We know that seed is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says in that seed, I will bless all the families of this earth. God chose Israel and through that nation, God gave to the world the Messiah. And God's heart for the world is so clearly seen as we come to the time of the tribulation. Now the tribulation will be the most difficult times the world has ever faced. And our world has faced some real severe things over the last couple of years. There have been a lot of changes, but the world has seen nothing yet in comparison to what will happen during the tribulation. There will be natural disasters, there will be wars and famines and pestilences, death. Uh, half of the population uh, will be uh, wiped out. Uh, there will be chaos and pain and uh, Satan's final efforts to overthrow God. That will happen uh, during the time of the tribulation. But God because he so loves the world and loves souls, will raise up witnesses. In Revelation chapter 11, we preach through that section of Scripture, God will raise up two witnesses that will be able to call fire from heaven. And those two witnesses will have a powerful testimony of the everlasting gospel. In Revelation chapter 7, Revelation chapter 14, uh, that we dealt with last week, uh, God will raise up 144,000 Jewish witnesses, 12,000 from each of the tribes of the children of Israel. And these men will have a powerful testimony for Jesus Christ during the time of tribulation. And then in Revelation chapter 14, we read this a moment ago, but go back to verse 6. Revelation 14 verse 6, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of the waters. And this angel will give this powerful testimony to all the world. And it's evident as we go through the book of Revelation during the time of the tribulation, I think the greatest revival the world has ever known will actually take place. I want you to go back to Revelation chapter 5. Multitudes will turn in saving faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in Revelation chapter 5, we have a scene from heaven. And uh, I believe as we march through the book of Revelation, uh, we have here this scene in heaven, verse number 9. Uh, they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy, speaking to Jesus Christ, to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain, hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Now this is the song from heaven. But as we move through the book of Revelation, we come to a point where multitudes of others are martyred. And look in Revelation chapter 7 in verse number 9. Revelation 7 verse number 9. After this I beheld... And lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And then we read in Revelation 14, verse number 6, that as the gospel goes forth, that gospel is to be preached to them that dwell on the earth, to every nation, Kindred, tongue, 
and people. Understand this morning, this is God's heart. God loves people. God loves sinners. God loves souls. And so the Lord does all in His power to draw people and souls to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, He wants to know men, women, boys and girls in a personal way. And so the Lord calls, and this call goes forth, and it goes forth today. And that call will go forth in the tribulation. And the Lord will seek to draw a people unto Himself, a redeemed people, a people that know Jesus, a people that have been forgiven and their sins under the blood of Jesus Christ. Now as we see God's heart, God calls each of us to this task. It's a task to reach the world. I'd like you to go with me, keep your place in Revelation. I'd like you to go with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, after the resurrection of Christ, we have this commission that is given to the disciples. And in Luke chapter 24, verse number 46, Hear Jesus, the resurrected Christ, speaking to his disciples. He said unto them, Thus it is written, Thus it behooved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day. And the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. So here the Lord says to them, you notice in verse number 48, you are witnesses. In other words, what do I say? A witness is one who simply tells what he knows. And if you've met Jesus Christ, here's what you can say. I was lost. I was a sinner. But Jesus set me free. I saw my need of Christ. I turned to the Lord. The Lord came and forgave me and saved me. A witness is one that's able to tell the story of how they came to know Jesus Christ, how Jesus, by His Spirit, pled with their heart, how Jesus convicted, how Jesus drew them to Himself. You're my witnesses. And then He says that repentance, remission of sins, should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Where do I start? I start with my home, my family, my friends, my relatives, my co-workers, my neighbors. I start with my city, my valley, my state. I go to my nation, and ultimately the gospel is to be preached among all nations. Now during the tribulation, God will have His witnesses, but during this day of grace, do you realize and understand We are His witnesses, preparing the world for the harvest, sowing the seed of the gospel. There's the call to reach the world. I want you to go back with me to Revelation chapter 14. The call to reach the world takes a commitment to reach the world and In Revelation chapter 14, we see the commitment of the 144,000 witnesses. It will take a deep level of commitment 
to reach the world. I want you to read concerning these witnesses. Look in Revelation 14, verse number 1. The first thing you notice of these witnesses is they are saved. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Sion, verse 1, and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand, but notice this, having his father's name written in their foreheads. In verse 4, or verse 3, And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four beasts. And the elders, and no man could learn that song but the 140 and 4,000. But notice the statement, which were redeemed from the earth. And then verse 4, These are they which are not defiled with women, but goes on to say, These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God. Now, what will it take to reach the world? It will take a deep level of commitment that starts at salvation. The Bible says of this 144,000 that God will raise up in the tribulation time, they're redeemed, they're bought, they're purchased. And that word redeem means to purchase back. It means to rescue. And because of sin, man became a prisoner to Satan. But Jesus purchased man with his own blood. And so this group has been redeemed. They have received that gift of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're to heed that call, there must be that level of commitment that starts with salvation. But then you'll notice in Revelation 14 verse 4 of this 144,000, not only are they saved, but they're separated. Now, we alluded to this last week briefly, but he says these are they which have not defiled or were not defiled with women. Now, these uh, in the tribulation have come to this place of celibacy. And again, there's nothing wrong with marriage. The Bible speaks of marriage. And I believe uh, most people ought to be married and ought to seek that marriage. But here's a group of people that are called to a special task at a unique time, unique time in history. And the testimony that they uh, were to give to the world is a time there's war, there's famine, there's pestilence, there's heartache and heartbreak uh, during this tribulation. And it's going to take a total commitment that their testimony is they're willing to forsake anything that hinders their mission to give the gospel to the world. Uh, here's the group of people. They serve Jesus Christ wholly with their heart. They're sanctified. They're surrendered. Look in verse 4 of Revelation 14. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. I think of the disciples. Jesus said to the disciples, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. These witnesses are willing to forsake all to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Makes me think of the song, follow, follow, I would follow Jesus anywhere, everywhere, I would follow on. And that's the testimony of these witnesses. Uh, through danger, through discomfort, through difficulties, and even death, they will follow the Lord to give the testimony of Jesus Christ. These witnesses, if you look in verse 5, were spotless. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Now, the mouth gets us into problems a lot of times, but the Bible says of these witnesses, there was no guile in their mouth. These men were not perfect. They were forgiven. I believe their sin was under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They've been justified by the Lamb. Uh, they're growing in the Lord. They're molded to the image of Christ. And uh, this 144,000 has a powerful testimony 
for Jesus Christ reaching into all the world. But that's the level of commitment and dedication that's going to be required if we're to reach the world. I want you to go back in your Bible, keep your place, Revelation 14, but go back with me to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, verse number 25, here the Lord turns to a multitude that are following him. And it reads, there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and he said unto them, he said, you really want to be my disciple, here's what it's going to take. You're going to have to love the Lord supremely. He says in verse 26, if any man come to me, hate not his father and mother and wife and children, brethren, sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And what the Lord is expressing to this multitude, you really want to follow me. You really want to be my witness. You really want to be my disciple. You're going to have to love me above anything and everything. I must be first and foremost in your life. In verse number 27, you'll have to carry the cross. Whosoever did not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That means I must die to self and to my dreams and to my vision. I must be willing to follow the Lord, the Lamb, wherever he leads and wherever he goes. In verse number 28, it speaks of counting the cost. For which of you intending to build a tower set it not down first and counted the cost? whether you have sufficient to finish. Uh, counting the cost, it's going to cost you to serve Jesus Christ. Uh, the 144,000 were willing to forsake all. It was costly in serving the Lord. During the tribulation, uh, most that become witnesses for Christ are going to be martyred for Christ. It's going to cost their life. You've got to count the cost. In verse 31, you want to be a disciple. Uh, the commitment is going to take. You're going to have to wage war. He says, what king going to make war against another king, set it not down first, consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Friend, I guarantee you, the moment you commit to being a witness for Jesus Christ, you've entered a war. It's a battlefield. And the enemy is real. And I believe most Christians today don't realize that you are at war. We are at war. And Satan will do everything he can. If you're saved, he can't take that salvation. But he's going to do everything he can uh, to cause your witness to be ineffective for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're at war. It's a battle. But notice in verse 33, he sums this up. He says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. I mentioned last week the statement of John Wesley. He says, give me 100 men who love nothing but God and hate nothing but sin and we will turn the world upside down. That's the testimony of the 144,000. But do you realize God calls you to this level of commitment? He calls, if you're His, He calls you to this level of commitment. Are you saved? Are you separated? Are you surrendered? Are you spotless? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's the call to reach the world. There's the commitment 
to reach the world. Well, we finish here with the challenge, the concern, the compassion to reach the world. Go back to Revelation 14. We mentioned the final harvest. Our world, you say, has gone crazy over the last few years. A lot of differences, a lot of difficulties. Do you realize that the world is marching toward this final harvest? That's what's happening. And as Joel expressed, as the world marches toward this final harvest, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Now as we look at Revelation 14, uh, there are two harvests that are mentioned. First of all, the harvest of the redeemed. I, I want to read again verse 14. And in verse 14, I looked and behold a white cloud, Upon the cloud once set like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle, reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. See, there will be the harvest of those that turn to Christ. Many will see their need of Christ. They will humble themselves. They will repent. They will turn to Jesus. They will believe the message of the everlasting gospel. Uh, they will uh, heed the warning of the judgment here that is given, uh, that is coming upon the world. And God, as He sends His witnesses to reap the harvest of precious souls, multitudes will be gloriously saved. Part of the redeemed in heaven, they'll sing the fruits of that salvation. That's a good fruit. They're brought into the barn. They're protected from God's wrath. Reminds me of Exodus chapter 12, the Passover lamb. Uh, the blood of that lamb was shed and the blood was placed upon the doorposts of the house. And there as the Lord passed through the land on that night, uh, where the blood was present, the wrath of God passed over that house. And that's the message that judgment is coming. But the lamb has shed his blood. And whosoever puts the blood upon the heart is redeemed and born again uh, can be protected from the wrath that is to come. That's the harvest of the saved. Look in verse number 17. Here's the harvest of the lost. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle, another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire, cried with a loud voice or a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress even into the horse bridles by the space of a thousand six hundred furlongs. Now all of this is picturing the time at the end of the tribulation when the earth has been reaped. And the harvest will come, and all that miss Jesus will be condemned. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. Through the tribulation, the world is going to be given a clear choice. And that choice is either come to Christ or 
serve the Antichrist. Much of the world will serve Antichrist and take the mark of the beast. Those that follow Antichrist will be deceived. At the end of the tribulation, Antichrist is going to gather the armies and the nations of the world to that final battle in the valley of Jehoshaphat and the valley of Megiddo. It's known as the battle of Armageddon. It's a final war. And as the armies of this world are gathered together, Jesus Christ is going to return from heaven. And Antichrist and the armies of this earth will turn their guns and their weapons upon Jesus. Christ and Jesus will speak the word and they will be destroyed by the word of the Lamb. The world will be on the verge of destruction when Jesus comes. The Bible speaks here that blood will flow by the space of 6,000 or 1,600 furlongs, almost 200 miles. And blood will flow in that valley as the world on the verge of annihilation. Blood splattered to the horse bridles. But my Jesus, he's the victor. He's the champion. He's going to return from heaven. The beast, the antichrist, the false prophet are going to be cast into hell. And all that followed antichrist are going to be destroyed. This is the final harvest. I want you to take your Bibles. And I'm going to close by having you turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. We've talked about the heart of God. God has a heart for this world. The Lord loves souls. He's not willing that any should perish. Matthew chapter 9. Here the Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry. This was the heart of Jesus. In verse 35. Matthew 9. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. Understand, during the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, uh, he went on a whirlwind preaching tour. He went from city to city and village to village and people to people. He was burdened for the souls of men. And in verse number 36, when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion. Could you have seen Jesus? Uh, he would have been weeping, broken as he saw the multitudes. And uh, He was moved with compassion because they fainted. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, saw individuals in those multitudes. And he saw people that had wandered away from the fold. that wandered out into the place of danger. Uh, their lives were being destroyed. They had no shepherd to show them the way. And he was broken and he wept and he was burdened for the lostness of mankind. And Then in verse number 37, Then saith he to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers are few. What Jesus saw was a harvest without a harvester. He saw the fields that were ripe and ready, as he said in John 4, verse 35, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. And what Jesus saw were souls that needed to be saved, but there were too few laborers to go to those souls. Who would tell them of that redemption? Who would tell them of the blood that was shed? Who would tell them of the way, the truth, and the life? Who would tell them? And it was broken because there was nobody to go. And the harvest 
was wasting. I think Jesus could look ahead and he could see to the end of the age. And he could see that grain that was lost, not brought into the vault. And in that final judgment, the eternal destiny of those souls. And so the Lord says in verse 38, Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Do you see, we have a call to reach the world. It will take a level of commitment to reach the world. We see illustrated with 144,000 during the tribulation. May we have the compassion of Christ to reach the world. The harvest is ripe. Multitudes, multitudes, as Joel said, in the valley of decision. What Joel was saying is souls hang in the balance between heaven and hell. And laborers are few. You can look all around you. And every person that you come into contact with is either saved or lost. Every person that you see is either on the road to heaven, on the road to hell. And may God give us the compassion of Jesus Christ to understand, friend, this is not fairy tale that we're reading about. This is eternity. Souls. Souls of men and women and boys and girls that God so loved. And our call, our task is to go, to take the gospel, to be his witnesses. There were 144,000 of the tribulation that took that call to task. They set their eyes to the call of God and they fulfilled what God called them to do and multitudes came to know Jesus Christ. What about us? I want our heads bowed, our eyes closed. I want us to come before the Lord this morning.